You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to Big Show Hour 4. Patty Duma, I got GVP along with me, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Give them our little tour of the Canadian cities in the NHL as uh, training camps and preseason are opened up around the league. And uh, we take a trip out west uh, to be joined by the co-host of Canucks Talk. You can hear them on Sportsnet 650 out in Vancouver. Jamie Dodd. How are we doing this morning, Jamie? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, buddy. Doing great. Uh, best time of year for sports. Cannot complain. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, Canucks second preseason game tonight in Edmonton, uh, seven o'clock on Sportsnet One. I mean, obviously, you're hoping for 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 the better result than it was on Sunday. What, Can, a you, different result. Well, this yeah, is a little bit different for. because I mean, <laughs> there's not. I don't think there was anything, and I think you heard it from Rick Talkett and everything. Like, there's really nothing you can take out of out of that game. But uh, what are we expecting with the rosters tonight? And obviously, a little bit more, probably a competitive side. I would think. Yeah, you would think so. Although I do think it's interesting because after that game, that 10 nothing loss in Calgary, you're right, Rick Tockett kind of downplayed what you could take from it. But it was interesting to see yesterday a, a few forwards, actually more than a few, a few forwards and a few defensemen who are in that game got bumped from the <laughs> NHL group. And, yeah. and Dakota Joshua in particular, uh, Rick Tockett had some fairly pointed criticism of, and he was one of the real underperformers in that game. So, you know, Rick Tockett's words might have said, oh, we're not really taking anything away from this, but I think his actions showed us something a little different. And a lot of the real poor performers from that 10 nothing loss uh, saw themselves demoted from the NHL group at practice yesterday. And, you know, as for what kind of lineup to expect today, I will. I, I, it'll be more competitive and more NHL heavy, but I also wouldn't expect to see, you know, all of Elias yeah. Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Andre Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko et cetera, because, you know, they don't start playing their the home part of their uh, preseason schedule for a little while yet. They've got this one in Edmonton. They've got tomorrow in Seattle. And, you know, they're only going to play those top players maybe three games mm-hmm. in the preseason, possibly four. And I think they want to save them for the games at Rogers Arena. They're playing out in Abbotsford as well. And I know that's always an important one to yeah. get some star players uh, out there in the Valley for those fans. So I think there'll be more NHL flavor to it, but I don't think it'll be anything close to the kind of full <laughs> lineup that we could expect to see at the regular season. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just what you see on the road. Like, I know the Flames the flames are sending like Mackenzie Weger to Winnipeg tonight, Andrew Mangiapane, so it's a, it's like a decent lineup, but there's still, you can still, yeah. there's a lot of kids still uh, still on the roster. Uh, yesterday, uh, Corey Schneider, he called it a career. You guys had him on with you guys, him and th- you and Thomas Drantz. Uh, yep. Entertaining chat. Um, uh, just a thought on Corey, like a, a guy that you know backed up Luongo there for a good chunk, was thought to be the the next one in Vancouver, and maybe it it didn't pan out the way it it, it should have been, maybe what the fans wanted. But just a thought on on Corey Schneider, who he called Vancouver a high point of his career. Yeah, it's really remarkable, and I think it speaks to the connection that the city had with those teams, even though they did obviously fall just short of winning the cup, but mm-hmm. they were so good. And they were at least in this market. I know not everyone feels the same. Like there was a real, a, a likability to them and an emotional <laughs> connection forged. Sure. And even someone like Corey Schneider, who, you know, he was traded in 2013, right? He yeah. spent the bulk of his career, not in this market. He retires and it still feels like a big deal here, right? Because he was a part of that era. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, you know, it speaks to Corey 
that he's he's just a very you know I don't know him well I've only interviewed him a couple of times but just a really solid guy and you could hear you know just him talking about how he made peace with his retirement and mm-hmm. you know this is a guy I think it's we, we tend to think of Corey Schneider now as somebody whose career was derailed by injuries but if you go back and look at you know his first couple years as a backup uh, in Vancouver and then what he did as a starter in New Jersey I think he had like six seasons with a save percentage above 920 yeah that's really hard to do like this guy was a fantastic goalie and I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind when we're thinking about his career not to look at it as a disappointment because uh, it was derailed by injuries eventually but to kind of recognize what he was able to do when he was healthy and when he was in his prime because it was really really impressive yeah, he had six straight 920 uh, save percentage seasons up until 2016-17, uh, when I think that's when the, kind of when the Devils yep. started their little downturn of a, of a rebuild. But uh, yeah, just, we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll be seeing him on a TV screen uh, sooner oh, rather yeah, than absolutely. later for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and like th- that trade, like that traded in New Jersey 2013 draft, the ninth overall pick yep. that eventually becomes the Canucks captain in, in Bo Horvat, then the Bo Horvat trade to the Islanders. It feels like Lou, Lou Lamarillo has his hands on Corey <laughs> Schneider's career as that trade tree still yeah. is given. He absolutely does. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, right? It's going to be fascinating to follow that trade tree because it certainly didn't end with Bo Horvat. Now they've got Aturatu, and they used part of the, re- the, the, the return there to go get Philipronic. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's funny because as much as it hurt to trade Corey Schneider at the time, I and mean, Bo Horvat gave a lot of good years to the team, they ended up doing all right on that trade we'll see we'll see how long the uh, the Corey Schneider trade tree keeps yeah. bearing fruits for the Canucks it feels like it could go on for a while like those are three oh, yeah. young guys that the Canucks obviously have a hope and future for so who knows where that one could go uh Canucks uh, making a trade last week uh with Ta- with the Montreal uh, Canadiens Tanner Pearson uh getting sent out there Casey DeSmith coming in obviously Pearson's uh tenure there in Vancouver not ending on the greatest with how the oh. the Rutherford Alvine handled the injury situation it's just a weird end and and now you get you go you're getting an uh, you get an experience backup with Casey DeSmith that can help out Thatcher Demko and a head coach that's familiar with DeSmith from his time in uh Pittsburgh which uh, an overall thought on the Tanner Pearson Casey DeSmith trade Yeah I mean I think ultimately this came down to doing right by Tanner Pearson, because I think the alternative, given just how many wingers the Canucks have around and the salary cap situation with Tanner Pearson's salary, there was a very good chance they were going to have to cut him and send him to the AHL or at the very least put him on waivers. And probably nobody's picking him up. Mm-hmm. I know he was traded, but Montreal got a, a third round pick in the deal and they got to clear some salary as well. And with Tanner Pearson, I think the thing to keep in mind, you know, the reason this all came to light originally was Quinn Hughes kind of going out of his way to speak to the media and tell the media, hey, Tanner Pearson's injury situation is not being handled right. And Mm -hmm. what that shows you is Tanner Pearson was really, really well liked and really well respected in that room. In particular, you know, Quinn Hughes wasn't the captain then. He's the captain now. And that's a guy who was he was going to bat for Tanner Pearson, right? So I think for them to have cut Tanner Pearson after he fought his way back from these injuries and got back to, to skating form and, you know, ready to play in the NHL, I think that would have been really, really hard for the room to swallow. So trading him. Yeah, that's tough too. Cause you're saying bye to your friend, but he's going somewhere where he's going to get a legitimate yeah. shot to play in the NHL. And he can really resume his career in a, in a real way. You're doing right by Tanner Pearson. And I think there was just too much scar tissue, too much bad blood built up between Tanner Pearson and the organization for his career to realistically continue here. So it's kind of the best solution from a team perspective 
uh, in a, of a very bad situation. I'm really happy for Tanner Pearson that he's healthy and he's going to be able to go because it was touch and go there for a while. But, you know, I also say it's just, it's tough for, they, they made a trade like this right before the season or early in the season last year uh, where they traded Jason Dickinson to Chicago, gave up a second round pick, got Riley Stillman back who they eventually flip. And, you know, it's, a second here, a third here, it's easy to kind of write it off and say, well, hey, who, you know, how many second round picks go on to play mm-hmm. in the NHL or how many third round picks? But when you're constantly doing it yeah. for a team that's just kind of in that mushy middle, it adds up. And that's my concern uh, with the Canucks making another deal like that. Uh, I think uh, I think we, what we saw kind of there at the end of that last year with Rick Tockett taking over from Bruce Boudreau is, is the Tockett style of hockey, the, you know, organized, defensively sound, good goaltending, you know, having the forwards be more responsible in both ends. Is he getting close to where he wants this team to be in his mind? As, is it the, the Tockett mold as it, he takes over in his full first uh, year as head coach? You know, that's a fascinating question. Well, I, I, uh, my gut says that, Rick Tockett thinks there's a lot of work left to be done. That's just speculation of me reading the tea leaves. That's not really based on anything he said. But if I look at how he ran training camp in Victoria this year, I wasn't there, but all the reporting on the ground was this was a very atypical training camp, much more focused on teaching systems, whiteboard time, you know, things like retrievals and breakouts, as opposed to the fitness, as opposed to the battle drills, the compete all of that. And what that tells me is that Rick Tockett thinks there's a lot of teaching left to be done, right? Thinks that there's a lot of learning for the players still to do to play the way he wants them to play. And again, I think, you know, not, not to read too much into that 10 nothing loss, but I think the fact that a lot of guys got demoted for playing the way that they did from the NHL group, they didn't get cut. They're just not in the NHL group at, at, at these uh, preseason practices. You know, I think that tells you that Rick Tockett is looking for a certain standard a certain level of play a certain style of play and if guys aren't matching it there's going to be consequences for them so I I think there's been progress there's no doubt about it you saw progress last year but I I think there's still a ways to go before Rick Hawkins is going to look at this team and say yeah we're really doing exactly you know we're really it's playing out like I see it in my mind's eye now yeah, uh, exactly. Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar. They're on the coaching side. I know Gonchar's not there all the time, but, you know, two of the greatest to do it from the blue line. They have mm-hmm. to be helping out this blue line. Like, obviously, with Qu- Quinn Hughes being the captain, he's still young. He's still growing. There's there's a t- there's a, there's Cole McWard, Akito Hirose, young guys that are, are, are on their way up. How much can those guys help this defense core become more rounded? As I think you, you, you worry about this core. Like, the forward group, they're going to score. Thatcher Demko, yeah. he's a legit uh, number one goalie. It's the defense core on the team that, that worries me a bit. Can those guys with how they played and their coaching style, is it good for the young group to having them around? Well, I mean, I certainly hope so. And the yeah. Canucks are certainly going to hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm always a little wary of putting too much stock in the, the impact of assistant coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Not that they can't make a big difference, but you just never know for sure how things are going to click. And, you know, I think for the Canucks on the blue line, as you said, obviously you've got Quinn Hughes as the anchor on the top pairing. And, you know, they, they brought in Ian Cole and Carson Soucy. And I think, those guys should at least help stabilize some of the like really glaring defensive issues. But it's also one of the big questions at this, in this preseason for the Canucks is who's going to play with Quinn Hughes. And, you know, part of the logic of both Susie and Cole, they're left shot guys, but they have experience playing on the right side. So a lot of us looked at it and said, okay, well, one of Cole or Susie is going to get that chance. 
to play with Quinn Hughes and then training camp rolls around and Rick Tockett tells us that, you know, he has, he, his strong, strong preference is to go left shot, right shot on every pair. Right. And he needs, he'll need to be really, really convinced by something not to put a right shot defenseman uh, with Quinn Hughes. And then you start looking at the options, you know, on the, on the Canucks depth chart and it's Noah Juleson. It's a guy like Cole McWard, as you said, who just signed out of college last year, you know, Jet Wu, who's never played in the NHL. And it gets to be pretty slim pickings pretty quickly. And if that's the case, if you have one of those guys in a really prominent role alongside Quinn Hughes, I mean, my concern is the same as yours. Is, is that a strong enough yeah. blue line then at that point to compete in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference? Who are some of the guys that need to, you know, maybe take that next step, contrib- uh, contribute, take maybe take off that slack that, you know, Elias Pettersson uh, is going to help him out? Is it Brock Besser? Is it is this reach, like, really what Brock Besser is as a player? Like, he's going to be the 60-point guy? Or maybe, you know, is, is it one of the younger guys that, that needs to, to step up? Like, I know Anthony Bavilia, he's entering a, a contract year. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, I'm trying to draw another name here. Uh, oh, all right, sorry, uh Niels Hoglander, there's another yep. guy that needs to yep. step up. But like, what are some of the guys? Like, I know like Brock Besser, the trade rumors last year, and has it seemingly gone quiet on him and 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 whatnot for him to step up and maybe be that guy can help out Pedersen a little bit more and and be that guy, well, the third fiddle, the Kuzmenko maybe. I think with Besser, you know, as you you kind of said it right, like people are pretty much locked into what they're expecting. Yeah. You know, fifty to sixty points. The hope for Besser, I think, is that his two-way game rebounds a little bit. Typically, he's a he's a decent defensive forward, and that kind of dropped last year. But if he can just be solid two ways, you know, chip in, play on the power play a little bit, mm-hmm. fill that kind of second-line right-wing role, I think that's mostly what people are expecting from Besser at this point. The two guys that you're hoping will step up and kind of provide a boost that you weren't necessarily expecting, it's Niels Hoaglander, who's gotten the chance to skate with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko so far uh, in preseason here. And obviously that's a prime position. If you're looking for somebody to put up points and, you know, Hoaglander really fell out of favor under Bruce Boudreaux was actually sent down to the AHL. So he hasn't played for Rick Tockett yet, mm. but if you look at the style, he plays the high energy, the ability to forecheck, win board battles, all of those things. Those are things that Rick Tockett really values. Now Tockett also values defensively responsible players. And that's maybe somewhere where Hoaglander has struggled in the past, but I do think there's an opportunity for Niels Hoaglander to kind of earn the trust of Rick Tockett and play a big role for this team. And if he's playing with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko at five on five, I mean, he's going to put up points. That's, just, that's, a, that's one yeah. of the plum positions <laughs> in the NHL to, to put up points. The more interesting guy I think right now is the silly pod Colson, who's 10th overall pick a few years ago, back in 2019. And there's been flashes. There's been moments at the NHL where you've seen, okay, hey, maybe this guy's not going to be a a 35-goal scorer, but his combination of skill, physicality, compete, all of that could make him a really, really interesting player. But the thing with Vasily Podkolzin just seems to be his confidence wanes and waxes Mm. in in really big ways. And you can tell he's overthinking. He becomes tentative out there. And he had a really poor performance in that 10-0 loss to Calgary. This is a guy who was given a chance to skate in the top six in training camp. And he just hasn't grabbed it. And, you know, he's one of the players who was bumped out of the NHL group down to the second group after that Calgary game. And, you know, that's a guy who, again, it's a 10th overall pick. You're counting on some sort of impact from that player at this point in his career. And right now it doesn't look like it's going to come this year. I don't know how they get his career back on the rails because it seems to have gone off the rails a little bit, but that's a guy where 
man, if he's giving you something, it could really, really change the, the complexion and the makeup of the Canucks forward group. Yeah, like, like, the Canucks have, like, they feel like they have a lot of those guys in that 22, 23 range. Like you mentioned the Hoaglander and, and Pot, yeah. Pot, Pot Colson. Vitaly Krasov is another one. I don't know if he's at the, that level to be contributing, but there's, there's a lot of those guys that are, you know, 22, 23 that, you know, could they be something? I, they're definitely something I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching for sure this year with the Canucks. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I mean, you know, there's some there's guys like that on the blue line too, who they're they're yeah. kind of counting on to take the next step. And you know, even a player like Atu Ratu, who is, yeah. I think that came over in the Blue Horvat trade, he's a little younger than Pod Colson and Hoaglander. But you know, I mean, he played in the NHL last year mm-hmm. with, with the Islanders and with the Canucks, and he didn't exactly light the world on fire uh, in a in the AHL. But you still look at a guy who was a second round pick and you know had a, a ton of pedigree and and regard even before his draft year has that high skill level. Like that's a player who maybe the ideal is for him just to go down and be a number one center and in all situations in Abbotsford and, and kind of learn his trade that way. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if he forces his way into the NHL picture at some point and the, and the, the coaching staff and the front office looks at it and says, yeah, you know what? This guy can help us at the NHL level. Yeah. yeah. Like if you can get three contributors out of that Bo Horvat trade, even two, like that's great. But Ratu can be the, the third piece. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, exactly. Elias Pettersson, uh, his contract, obviously Patrick Alvin says he's got a great relationship with his compatriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patterson's camp is taking the wait and see approach. I, I, we know the number is going to be starting with a one, followed by oh, a yeah. few zeros, maybe even a one-one. Uh, but like, is it's are the Canucks? Uh, are they? I mean, they're, they're still playing out this year. I know the cap situation is a little messy. Tyler Myers will be coming off next year. They'll have a couple other guys uh, come off the books. But like, is is it just a wait and see right now with the Canucks? They're not worried about it. Well, I mean, that's what they'll say. They're not worried about it. Yeah. And, you know, my stance has kind of been like, I, I think it's way too soon to panic about the situation. Sure. And, you know, when he made those comments to Elliot Friedman in Europe, I think there was an instant reaction from some Canucks fans of, you know, we're playing to keep Elias Patterson this year, right? Like make the playoffs, he'll stay, miss the playoffs, he'll go. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. But, you know, as much as I would say it's not time to panic, I also look at it like this. Elias Patterson is so important to this organization mm-hmm. if you'd asked me six months ago i probably would have put the chances of him re-signing on a long-term extension at something like 95 percent, really really high it seemed like it was trending in that direction now i'd probably put it at i don't know maybe something like 80 75 percent mm-hmm. right which is still a really good yeah. number that's still you know much better than an even chance that he resigns. but that's also trending downward and i think when you're talking about a player like elias Pettersson, who is so good if there's a 20% chance he walks, that's a big deal. That's worth being worried about, right? Even though, even if you think it's still very, very likely that he resigns, the fact that it's gotten to something like a 20% number, you know, put whatever number you want on it, it's bigger than it was before. That's worth worrying about. And I don't know what the Canucks have to do. You know, I've seen people say, well, you know, he's not really thinking about leaving. He's, maybe he'll just sign a short-term contract if he doesn't like the direction of the team. I don't know, right? I just know, I mean, you guys are very familiar with it, right? Yeah. Once you get, as much as the Canucks can sit here and say, like, well, you know, we have two years of team control left because he's an RFA, right? So mm. it's not really, a, it's not an important issue. Like, you know why that doesn't work, right? We Our, saw it with Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. We've seen it with Pierre-Luc Dubois. If you're an RFA, and you're a player of that caliber, yep. you can call your shot and you can pick your destination, yep. right? And there's very little the team can do about it. So I don't buy that. I think there is reason to be concerned, even though I think there's still a very, very good chance that they get him signed. But 
yeah, it's going to be a storyline this whole year. And we're like, whatever his decision is, it's going to have massive, massive consequences for the Canucks, obviously. Is a, is a bridge or even a deal similar to what, uh, like not saying term, but like, uh, or not saying AV, but term like uh, that Austin Matthews sign, is that dangerous for Patterson? It's like Canuck fans probably want this guy signed eight years, get him to year 30, where we can sign him to a, his final big deal. You don't want him to hit UFA in 27 when he's 27 or 28. Well, you know, the thing about Elias Pettersson now is because he's already signed one bridge deal, right? Yeah. So he's going to be 25 now. He's turning 25 in November, mm-hmm. I believe, right? So I think I, you could actually make the case of, okay, let's do a five-year deal, and then we're not locked into when he starts to get into his 30s. He hits UFA at 30, and maybe at that point we don't want to sign him onto that next massive uh, long-term deal. So at least if we did, let's say, five years, we're kind of locking him up for his prime. And then you can make uh, a decision after that. Like to me, I would rather do eight years. Cause I think Elias Pettersson is going to age very well. And, you know, maybe you get a little discount on the AAV or whatever the case is. I would rather do eight years, but I wouldn't necessarily see five years as a disaster. Cause mm-hmm. you're still getting him yeah. for his prime. And, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if more players do follow that Austin Matthews yeah. trend of, okay, I'm going to take a little bit less term so I can hit the market again earlier, try to cash in that way. I mean, I think one re- one thing that's driving Elias Pettersson waiting is the fact that, you know, the cap's going to go up. If he has another 100-point season, yep. he's going to be in a very, very, very strong negotiating position to really cash in. But, you know, it's one of those things where every player's balance of, you know, how much they value short-term, how much they value certainty, how much they value the highest AAV, winning, location, all of those things, it's different for every player. I don't know what it is for Elias Pettersson. It wouldn't shock me to see him explore something like Austin Matthews, but it wouldn't shock me for it to be eight years either. Jamie, thank you very much for uh, talking a little Canucks with me. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk throughout the year uh, when Vancouver rolls into town or Calgary's out there. Uh, all the best this season, buddy. Thanks, man. Same to you. Thank you very much. That's Jamie Dodd, co-host of Canucks Talk over on Sportsnet 650 out in Vancouver alongside his co-host Thomas Drance, and he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Vancouver's one of those teams, mushy middle. They get some better defensive play. They get the good goaltending. I think they could be knocking down a wild card spot, but it's got to come from that defense core. Obviously, Quinn Hughes is the is the anchor, the young man, 23 years old, captain now. But what's going to come after them? Like It's Tyler Myers, Phil Pironic, who's young, who's still really good. Carson Soucy was a nice signing. Ian Cole was a nice signing as well. But is it enough to, uh, to push the Canucks over the top? We shall see. Because I think up front, I think up front, it's a good group. There's a lot of good pieces they have there. Yeah. Like you like you mentioned, Pettison, uh, Pedersen, you know, JT Miller has yeah. been strong for them down the middle. Uh, Kuzmenko is an interesting young prospect Kuzmenko that they have Kuzmenko could there. be an 80, 90 point guy yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Do they still feel like a couple years away from being a playoff team or like really being able to make some noise in the Pacific Division? Because if you look at it, Vegas would be a lock. Edmonton should be a lock for the playoffs. L.A. as well. Calgary should be in the mix this year as well. Yeah, like it's, it's just so tough in that yeah, division. Like Vancouver's not in the spot where like where they are like with, with an L.A., a San Jose, or an Anaheim where they've got young guys. Well, maybe not San Jose yet, but like with, yeah. with L.A., their young guys are graduating and contributing. Anaheim yeah. has the young guys. They will be contributing. We assume Anaheim will be one of the good teams in five to six years. We think that. Canucks don't really have that yet. Mm-hmm. They don't really have the young guys waiting to step up. So, like I mentioned, there's a, there's a bunch of the younger names there at the bottom that, uh, you know, Vilit, uh, Vitil, uh, Pat Colson, uh, Kratsov, uh, Aturatu. They're just, those are the guys that 
Yeah, they, yeah. They move, are they the move needle movers? Mm-hmm. They, they, they're kind of in the similar situation with the, cat, the with the flames. They have they have the young guys. Maybe the flames have a little bit more of a higher ceiling with their prospects than Vancouver because I, I think Vancouver's system is pretty so. pretty ratchet. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, but it's 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 a team that's like they feel more structured this year too. Like last does. year was obviously just such a mess with the whole Boudreaux yeah. thing, and now talk. It's kind of one of those guys who's like, you know, like a like a general type of type exactly. of coach, and he should be able to. He feels like a guy that's going to get a lot out of his younger yes. players, kind of like a like a welcome to the NHL I kind agree. of thing for younger guys. So it'll it will be interesting. Yeah. Pacific is just so tough. It is, though. and if Demko's healthy, if yep. Demko can be healthy this year, I think they're they're a better group as well. Of course, uh, Jamie joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We got to go. We got another guest coming up at nine thirty. Mark Howell, UFC men's coach, uh, hockey coach. They get their season underway tomorrow against Grant McEwen, looking to defend their Can West title. That's next as Big Show Hour Four continues here on Sportsnet nine sixty The Fan. Welcome back. Final segment here at Big Show Hour 4. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. Well, we have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit B- v- dlbasementsystems.com. Tomorrow night, Father David Bauer Arena, the UFC Dinos men's hockey team will be raising their banner uh, as the 2022-2023 Can West champions. It's their home opener against the Grant McEwen Griffins out of Edmonton. And we're uh, privileged to be joined by their head coach, Mark Howell of the Calgary Dinos men's hockey team. Mark, how are we doing? Thank you for so much for joining me on this uh, Wednesday morning. Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, it's... Uh... Uh, great morning, nice and sunny out. So, oh, good day. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Uh, first off, how'd you spend your off season? I know you you, you won the Canada West title. I know things didn't go as well in the in the Nationals, but uh, how did you were able to to spend your off season? Hope you got some a little little rest and relaxation uh, for a little bit at least. Yeah, I know. Uh, first and foremost, I guess uh, recruiting uh, through kind of April, May, yeah. June. That was kind of priority number one to. Uh, we didn't lose a lot of guys, but we needed to fill some positions just to, um, you know, like you said, the national tournament didn't go as planned and there's a couple of things that stood out. So we tried to address those. So recruiting, uh, you know, that period of time and then uh, obviously a bit of golf in May and June and July and uh, got away a little bit uh, with my wife to Cabo and then Kelowna. Nice. And, uh, a couple of things like that, but then August came around and uh, back at it. So That's good. What's the golf game like this year? Uh, May and June was good. July kind of slipped a little bit, but then got it back going in August. Uh, so it was, uh, oh, it's always just fun to get out with some buddies and, sure. and friends and things like that. So good. Uh, it's a good to have a good finish. That's what you want. Uh, you mentioned there, yeah, yeah you're returning a, a lot of guys. It's a, it's a, it's an experienced group. Uh, who are some of the, do, uh, the players you'll be relying on to get, uh, to get you guys, uh, to where you want to be? Like, obviously being number one in Can West is key. That's the number one goal. And then, obviously, being a national champion. But who are some of the guys you're going to rely on this year uh, to get the Dinos back to where they want to be? Yeah, I guess we're fortunate. We returned pretty much all of our uh, leadership group, all of our veterans. You know, we lost a couple of key guys, but, uh, you know, we uh, you know we had some real good players last year. Uh, obviously, Carl Tedichuk, and that was a first-team All-Star. He comes back for a second year. Uh, Noah King, our captain, uh, he's coming in for his third year. Uh, he was a first-team All-Star. And then Riley Stotts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he centers our top line, and he was a Canada West All-Star as well. And, um, you know, those are three key guys for sure. Uh, lots of other guys, Max Patterson, six foot five centerman. Um, you know, so there, there's lots of, uh, you know, key guys coming back on our team. And, um, you know, we, uh, we're fortunate because uh, we got those guys uh, for this year and next. So, uh, it's kind of a window in time for us to to try to 
be as good as we can and, and get back to the national tournament. Uh, the WHL, obviously, uh, if the guy, if the players uh, don't get to go to the to continue their uh, professional careers in the NHL, AHL, ECHL, whatever, uh, they 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 find their ways uh, into you to find playing college hockey with you guys. Uh, talk about some of the 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 freshmen uh, that came up from the from the dub this year that uh, you're hoping to see uh, a little bit more out of this year. Yeah, and you're seeing more and more guys yeah. that are uh, bypassing pro right now and saying, you know what, I'm going to use my scholarship money that they get from Westerling as well as some money from us. And, um, you know, even I look at Noah King, our captain, he, he played uh, in the American League, uh, actually played for uh, Stockton slash Calgary three yep. years ago and, and could have signed in the American League and just said, I want to get my education going. But uh, some of the key guys we got coming in this year, uh, Adam Kidd actually played for the Hitman, uh, finished his career in Kelowna. He's been injured, but he'll come uh, into the fold next week. Uh, we got uh, Dallin Moline, who played in Red Deer in the Medicine Hat. Um, uh, and then on the back end, uh, uh, we got Dylan Anderson, who uh, played Everett and then uh, Vancouver. Those are some key guys for sure. Um, so, you know, lots of uh, interesting guys coming into the fold that we're really looking forward to, you know, their contributions. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, just, you know, they are playing now with men that, yeah. or 21 to 25. So it takes a little bit of a learning curve for those guys. But, uh, you know, so far those guys have been great through exhibition and uh, looking forward to getting them in the regular season starting tomorrow night. Your job as head coach, obviously, is to, to put out the best team possible and, and, and just and to win, obviously. But obviously there's other things. Being a head coach of, of a university program, there's there's other things that bring it. Like uh, these kids doing well in school. What do they want to do after hockey? How much do you have a role into their, their student lives, I guess, I want to say? Oh, significant for yeah. sure. We uh, probably eight, nine years ago, um, even 10, I really pushed to, to bring in more academic support for our guys, not just in class, but also what they want to do with their lives and, and more kind of um, investigating and, and exploring what they want to do and where they want to go. Our alumni are a big part of it. We have a connect program with our alumni where we connect players with alumni as far as their areas of interest. Um, you know, our team GPA, you know, and UFC is one of the hardest schools in Canada. Yep. Uh, we had, uh, I think it was 10 guys, academic all Canadians last year, wow. which is uh, 80% or higher. Um, and that's a uh, credit to our guys. They work extremely hard, but we have three academic advisors, a, a number of tutors available to our guys. And then, like I said, our alumni are a big part of that as well. Uh, in their third and fourth year, we partner guys up with, uh, alumni in their area of study. Uh, so if they're taking finance, we, we partner them up with guys in that route, um, and, uh, you know, our guys have really taken to it. Uh, our alumni love it. You know, they played, and now they're in business, they're yeah. industry, and, and they want to help our guys. They want to see them be successful. And, and ultimately, the goal of the program is we want to win, but we also want to develop the future leaders of our community that are going to coach minor hockey or minor sports. They want to be teachers or lead business. Exactly. Um, you know, and that's the, the key is, um, you know, they're doing post-secondary, and a lot of our guys want to play pro hockey in Europe or in North America when they're done. Uh, but they also realize uh, they want to have a really successful career, professional career when they're done uh, in the industry of their mm -hmm. study. So, you know, it, it's a big part of my job. And, and we have a number of people on the team that help uh, make that a reality for our players. Uh, how's the rest of the conference looking like? Obviously, you guys won the one can West last year. You'll be raising the banner tomorrow night. But obviously, there's still some some good groups around the rest of uh, Western Canada. You got Alberta, you got Saskatchewan, uh, UBC. But who are the other uh, schools you guys are you're paying a little bit more attention to this season? Yeah, it's a tough conference. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, every year there's three or four teams that are going to be real competitive. Obviously, Alberta's 
you know, always uh, up at the, the top of the, the group. And, you know, they've had a, a storied uh, history of their program. You know, they're going to be real good again. We were in Saskatchewan a couple of weeks ago. It was tough, hard, physical hockey. You know, you got Mount Royal right in our city. You know, Bird always does a good job, you know, icing a competitive team. Yep. UBC, you know, they always uh, – Sven's done a good job adding skill to that group, and, and now he's brought accountability into their group the last number of years. And, and they're uh, – you know, he's really brought that program along. So – uh, and even McEwen, it just there's never an easy out in our conference. It's no. just it's a hard, hard conference. It's physical. It's fast. Um, obviously, you know I'm real confident in the group we have. We're excited about what we got. But um, and our guys, they they put in a ton of work. You know they they they're with our strength guys at Bold, and they bike and they work out. And you know, our guys are committed, but they also understand how competitive this league is. And um, you know there's not an easy out. Like I said, Alberta's going to be real tough, but near the top, and a number yep. of teams are going to challenge for sure. Uh, the other school in Edmonton will be your opponent tomorrow night, Grant McEwen, and then again on Friday yeah. up in Edmonton. Uh, what are the Griffins like this year? Uh, I know like uh, they, they they're a team that maybe gets lost in the shuffle a bit up in there in Edmonton. But uh, what can uh, what can you tell me about uh, what Grant McEwen? You know, I haven't seen any of their footage from this year yet, um, so we'll get our first look at them tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, you know, from our experience last year. Uh, you know, Zach Daly's their coach. They had uh, Mike Ring or uh, Mike Ringrose in there. He took a leave, but both guys played at U of A, and U of A always prides themselves in having work and pace. And and that's what McEwen is. They maybe don't have the talent of uh, some of the teams in our league, but they're going to be extremely fast. They're going to push the pace. They're going to throw the puck up ice and try to stretch you out a little bit. Um, you know, and, and they have a number of guys that can uh, you know uh, execute on their power play. Their power play was pretty good last year, so. Um, you know, I don't see a big difference in how they're going to play. They're going to be fit, fast, physical. They're going to be quick. If you let them get on the power play, they can score. So, um, you know, for us, you know, we got to just play our game. You know, I think we pride ourselves in being a really good fast checking team that takes time and space away from people. And then, you know, when we get our opportunities to transition, we put it in the back of the net. But <clears throat> so it, it'll be, uh, and we'll have to temper emotions too. It'll, you know, it's the first time. Of course. I think it was 26 years that we get to raise a banner. So our guys will be proud and excited about that. Um, but I think, you know, with our leadership group, they're pretty level-headed. And, um, you know, I think uh, I'm pretty confident we'll come out with a real strong effort tomorrow night. Are you a fan of the, the back-to-backs to open the season? I know you're just jumping right in, getting getting the, getting your toes into the water. Do you like the, the quick back-to-back to open the season? Well, we're used to it. That's kind of how the league works. Yeah. We play Friday, Saturday. Yeah. This weekend we're playing Thursday, Friday. So, uh, you know, that's how we set up our preseason. You always play back-to-back, so our guys are used to it. Um, and just with school, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, it's tough to play on a Wednesday, Friday, or Thursday. It's just it's it's a little bit difficult with travels involved and, and guys are missing classes. So it's a reality of, of collegiate hockey yep. is, is you're going uh, to play back-to-backs. And uh, it's it's good in a sense that you, you play your game and then you got a short memory and you, and you get ready for the next night. And, and then you get a couple of days to rest and recover and get ready for the next weekend. So... Uh, we're used to it and, um, you know, ready for the challenge. Well, best of luck this season, Mark. I'm sure we'll talk throughout the year uh, and uh, check in on how the Dinos are doing. And uh, best of luck tomorrow night and the, for the rest of the year, buddy. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on and uh, look forward to getting some people out to the rink tomorrow night to celebrate the banner. So, yes, for sure. Uh, thank you.